0: The following sermon is from 5th Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City at the corner of 5th Avenue and 55th Street in the heart of Manhattan. We welcome you to worship with our vibrant community of faith. Head to fapc.org and join our email list and be sure to subscribe to FAPC in New York City, our YouTube channel. And now we invite you to breathe deep and lean into the beauty of worship with 5th Avenue Presbyterian Church. On this Pentecost Sunday, our story comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. Listen now, for God's word to you. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished they asked, Are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans, and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Nine years ago on Easter Sunday, at about two o'clock in the afternoon, I was sitting in my favorite chair at the manse, reflecting on what a glorious day it had been here at the church. The cross outside on Fifth Avenue had been flowered. The sanctuary still echoed with choruses of Jesus Christ is risen today. Ryan had rocked the mighty Austin organ with Vidor's Toccata. Our celebration of life and resurrection was grand and beautiful and full of joy. I smiled, happy at the journey that we had traversed together. We made it through the marathon of Holy Week. It was time for a nap. Closing my eyes, I felt a tug at my sleeve. My son, Oliver, then nine years old, was at my side. With an earnest look, he asked, Daddy, does the story keep on going? What story, I responded. The story of Jesus, now that he's been resurrected. Is there more to it? Is there more to it? Oliver's question hit me like a double espresso. Oh yes, I responded. (laughs) First, the Gospels describe Jesus appearing to the disciples after Easter on the road to Emmaus in the upper room to Doubting Thomas, serving his friends fish for brunch alongside the Sea of Galilee. And then after that, there's another whole set of stories called the Book of Acts. In Acts, we hear about the disciples Peter and Paul, Lydia and Barnabas, spreading the good news of Jesus around the world. Acts begins with the birthday of the church. Ollie's eyes widened. The church has a birthday? (laughs) So much for the nap. (laughs) Today we do indeed mark the birthday of the church. Pentecost. Penta for fifty. 50 days after Easter, we read the story of the Holy Spirit descending onto the followers of Jesus. We we marvel as as tongues of flame dance across foreheads. We we watch women and men race out into the streets of Jerusalem and begin speaking to to anyone, anyone who will make eye contact about God's deeds of power. Something wild and And new is dawning. The first Christian community is engaging the world. The church has been born. So yes, today we celebrate the fact that the story keeps on going. Now, to be perfectly candid, the disciples had their doubts about this. They weren't sure that the movement started by Jesus had any gas left in its tank. On Pentecost, Acts tells us, Christ's exhausted followers had gathered again in the upper room. The upper room was was their bolt hole, their, their safe space. They've returned there to hunker down because Jesus is gone. He's ascended, says the Apostles' Creed, to sit at the right hand of the Father. And while that sounds theologically neat and tidy, it was maybe not so comforting to those befriended by Christ, those who'd followed him from the villages of Galilee all the way to the streets of Jerusalem. Now they faced a, a broken and violent world without their teacher. So they sit there in the upper room and and ponder Christ's promise to them. The promise that he would soon send God's spirit their way. What kind of promise is that? I remember the first time I went to a high school pep rally. Do they still have these things? Maybe no, I don't know. The lights flashed. The pep band played really loud. Ten skinny basketball players stood in a nervous line on the stage while excited cheerleaders repeatedly declared the superiority of Mora, Minnesota, my small hometown, over our fierce sporting rival, the even smaller Ogilvy, Minnesota. Throughout the rally, speakers exhorted us to shout louder to display school spirit. We've got spirit, yes, it's true. We've got spirit. Thank you. One more time. We've got spirit, yes, it's true. We've got spirit. When contemporary people talk about spirit, they typically have in mind an attitude. Spirit is gumption, it's a a can-do attitude. It's an outlook on life. Is is that what Jesus promised the disciples? After I'm gone, you're going to have spirit. (laughs) You'll have self-confidence. The self-confidence necessary to defeat the Galilean varsity team. No, of course not. Jesus did not promise his followers shots of five-hour energy. He promised them that God's Spirit would fill them. The third person of the Trinity would come and electrify their souls. And according to Acts, that's what happened. The Spirit of Almighty God thundered into Jerusalem like a freight train, rattling doors, banging shutters, and scaring the sawdust out of the disciples. Centuries of Christians haven't called God's wild wind the Holy Ghost for nothing. God's spirit stirs things up. It crisps the edges of people's hair. It gifts the disciples with vision and purpose, passion and compassion. Looking at each other, Christ's friends shrug. Well, that's torn it. God's got us. First, Jesus touched our hearts with grace and hope, and now the Spirit has set our hair on fire. What else can we do? Filled with the breath of God, these women and men dash into the streets of the world's most famous city and proclaim the good news for all people. Today we've got so much going on in worship that I promised the team that I would preach a very short sermon. Very short is a relative thing, (laughs) but my friends you will be relieved to know that I can already see the runway from here and I'm going to close by noting two quick challenges that I think Pentecost wants to lay across our spiritual shoulders. Challenge number one, the people of Pentecost spoke the truth with passion. They ran out into the streets believing that what they had to say about God and the story of Jesus was exactly what the world was most hungering to hear. The world needs this good news. This past week, I heard the Reverend Sarah Speed say, I am ready to make a case that the church is the place to be, the diverse and passionate community into which we all ought to weave ourselves in this unsettling and violent time. I checked to see if there were flames of fire on Sarah's forehead because, my friends, that is the hopeful enthusiasm of Pentecost speaking. On Pentecost, they spoke with passion. Challenge number two. See how fast this is going? <laughs> On Pentecost, they also spoke with compassion. That exciting day in Jerusalem, Christ's followers spoke in every language under the sun and then some. The Spirit encouraged them to speak to strangers in ways that strangers could hear and understand Too often, our contemporary rhetoric in this charged world wags a finger and says, unless you learn to speak my way, you cannot be part of my team. We talk a good game in regard to diversity, but when faced with actual diversity, cultural diversity or ideological diversity, we frequently run back to our upper rooms. And there we secretly wonder if diversity is a moral failing. It's not, says Pentecost. Embracing this diverse world with compassion is the calling laid on the church by the Holy Spirit. So those are our two challenges for today. Pentecost says, speak the truth with passion. And Pentecost says, speak compassionately, speak in such a way that you show respect for other people. To borrow a phrase from my friend Glenn Hubbard, Pentecost builds bridges, not walls. And there you have it. Officers to be ordained family of faith, this is the good news. The story keeps on going. In fact, it continues today, right here, in the taking of vows, the grabbing of ribbons, and the prayers of the faithful. Here again, the Spirit enlivens us, encouraging us to embrace both passion and compassion. Grab these two live wires, says the wind of God, and see if the walls don't come tumbling down. Hear now the benediction, go forth from this place to speak the good news with fire, with passion and compassion. Have courage, hold fast to what is good, do not return evil for evil, strengthen the faint hearted, support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord. Amen.